be dismissed to Kid Venture. For those of us that remain, we're going to look this morning in the book of Hebrews, which is the very end of the latter part of the New Testament. And I invite you to go to chapter 10 in that book. going to be reading this morning. I'm going to back up. I'm going to start at verse 16. And I'll be reading down through verse 22. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there's no longer any sacrifice for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Father, we thank you for your word today. Open our hearts and our eyes to hear each one of us what you're wanting to say. We thank you for the wonder of this book. Every time we open it, we open up our hearts to it. It touches and, and often changes our lives. And so just do that. Again today, through your word, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to look at your palm for a moment. Just, just look at your palm and imagine the width of your palm. If you have a, a small hand, look at the person next to you who has a bigger one. And if yours is really big, look at somebody who's a little smaller. But an average-sized palm, that's how thick it was. It was purple and scarlet and blue threads wound together. 72 sections. The width of, of your hand all bound together forming a massive sheet 60 feet high which is twice, imagine, almost twice the height of this ceiling and 30 feet wide. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the curtain that hung in the temple. It was so massive that we're told it took 300 priests to move it. And so there it was. And for those of you who don't know the design in the tabernacle, I just want to remind us all of this because it's very important. God asked his people for very specific purposes of things that were to come later. He asked them to design the temple in such a way that there was actually two curtains. There was an outer curtain and the Gentiles couldn't even go beyond that one. And then there was this four inch thick, 60 feet high and 30 feet foot wide curtain that hung. And behind that was called the Holy of Holies. 
And that was where the ark was, and that represented the presence of God. It was an amazingly holy place. In fact, it was so holy that the only person that could go in there was the high priest. If, someone, if you had just walked in there, you would have been immediately, you would have been immediately struck dead. No human being could survive behind that curtain because it represented the presence of God. And so once a year, at a specific time, on a specific day, in a specific way, the high priest would walk in and he was allowed to go back there and he went back there with a blood sacrifice, which, is, which was the only way he could survive. And he offered this sacrifice on behalf of people in the Holy of Holies. And so that was the picture that we have. This place was, as I said, so holy that no one could go there without being killed. We see in, in 2 Samuel 6 that they had the Ark of the Covenant and God had given them poles to carry it and they were not to touch it. Well, they put it on a cart, which was a mistake in the first place. And they were carrying it and the oxen stumbled and the, the ark started to lean and one of the guys reached out to steady it and immediately he was killed. Here's another example. This was in 2 Samuel. It says, But God struck down some of the men of Beth Shemesh, putting 70 of them to death because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. So here's the ark and they thought, well, let's just take a peek. And it says that 70 of them were dead. And it says the people mourned because of the heavy blow the Lord had dealt them. And the men of Beth Shemesh, it says, Who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God, to whom will the ark go up from here? Who can stand in this place? So keeping that in mind, this is really an amazing verse this morning. And we're going to look here, I want to look specifically at verses 19 and 20, 21. You'll see them up on the wall. And I've just kind of put it according to phrases here. Let me just walk through it. It says, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. So there's two things there that we have. We have confidence to go into the Holy of Holies, and we have a great priest who is Jesus. Let me just walk back through this again, kind of line by line. First it says we have confidence. This is not cockiness. This is not irreverence. But this is a confidence. You should have confidence that you can go now into the Holy of Holies. And that's pretty amazing when you think that for many, many, many years, anyone that went there was struck dead. You are now invited to go to a place that's so holy that people in the past were struck dead. And we're to have confidence to enter that place. How, do we, how can we do that? It says, by the blood of Jesus. That's how you have confidence. You know, the priest went in there and, and he knew he was doing it. He knew he was doing it the way God had told him to, and so he was able to do that. And he went in there with the blood of an animal. Now, you and I, if Christ is in our lives, we have the blood of Christ. 
And so this is a new and living way. The word new there, the Hebrew word, interestingly enough, means freshly slain. Something that's new is freshly slain. And we know who that was. He's also the living way because he is alive. And then it says, opened up for us through the curtain, through the curtain, that is his body. Many of you know the story. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, this curtain is torn. And then later on, I'll, I'll mention why this curtain was four inches thick. But it was torn from top to bottom. It was rent, it was torn open. And then it says, it was opened through the curtain. It's like God was ripping apart the curtain so that we could come into His presence. Now it says the curtain, it says that is His body. So really the curtain was really not the issue. Really the thing that was torn was the body of Jesus. That was the amazing thing that provided the way for you to come to the Father. Nobody came to the Father simply because the curtain was torn. We come to the Father because Jesus was torn. And then finally, and since we have a great high priest. This is a high priest who didn't offer a sacrifice. He became the sacrifice. He offered his own body and his own blood. And interestingly enough, Jesus ascended and he is seated next to the throne. It says at the right hand of the Father as your priest. So anytime you come to the Father through Christ, Jesus is there. Jesus is there advocating for you. Jesus is there presenting His righteousness on your behalf. You never go to the Father alone without Christ on your behalf. Well, since all these things are true, since we have confidence by the blood of Jesus, a new way open through the curtain, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, here's the admonition this morning. There's three of them in this text. We're just going to look at the first one. And this is what it says. In light of all that, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. Let's not just get saved and be forgiven. Let's not just make sure that one day we'll be in heaven. Let's not just make sure that we have victory over death. It's much more than that. There is a, a reason why God is offering you forgiveness. Forgiveness is not the end. And so, hear this truth. This is so important. Forgiveness is the avenue. Forgiveness is the avenue that leads us to the presence of God. That was God's goal in mind for you from the very beginning. Not that you would be forgiven, but you would be forgiven so you could be in His presence. Ultimately, you and I are not just looking for forgiveness. We're looking for God. We're, we're looking for this relationship with God. You know, we're not, we're not here... God never intended that we would worship Him from the back of the balcony or even from the front row. He invites us backstage 
into the intimacy of, of his dressing room, as it were, to meet him face to face in that most holy place. So how do we do that? Uh, how do we draw near? Because if you're not drawing near to God this morning, and, and you, I, I don't know what's going on, you, know, you have to evaluate this yourself. But if, if you don't experience drawing near to God, then you're missing the whole point of why Christ saved you. Because He saved you that you might draw near to Him. Well, he mentions three things. We're just going to look at those. Here's the first thing. How do we draw near? We do it with a sincere heart. A sincere heart. There are two word pictures that are associated with this word sincere. What does it mean to have a sincere heart? Those two the first word is the word sun-tested. Maybe you've heard that before. And that was the... They, everything was done with clay pots back in those days. Sometimes they would often crack. And what people would do is they would just paint them over. So you couldn't see. But if you were to... And, and they would, what they would do is they would fill those cracks with wax. They'd fill them with wax and then they'd paint it over. Interesting though, if you held them up to the sunlight, you could see the cracks. And so the word sun-tested means you would hold that pot up to see if it was really as it was. Or if they were trying to hide some things, some defaults in it. So when you come to God with a sincere heart, it means there's no cracks, there's no wax, you're not trying to hide anything from God. God doesn't ask you to be perfect to come, He asks you to be real. That's what it means to be sincere. It means to come before God in not playing games with God, not trying to pretend. The other word that is used here that is connected with this word sincere in the New Testament, we find this in the early church where it says they met daily in their homes with sincere hearts. So what does that mean, that they had sincere hearts? Well, the word there means unfolded. If you think of a cloth that you unfold it, and you unfold it, and you unfold it. And as you unfold it, you reveal the contents of what's in there. And so really he's saying, come to God with an unfolded heart. In other words, come to God honestly, openly, not playing games with God, being real with Him. About yourself, and about where you're at. You, know, you, you probably don't like it when, when someone comes to you and they're, you know, you, they've got a smile pasted on. You say, how are things going? They say, oh, fine. You say, no, how, how are things really going? And eventually they open up and say, okay, things aren't going very well at all. This is, this is the way it is. When we set aside our phoniness or our trying to be something for God that we're not, when we come with a sincere heart, it's the first step in drawing you. Now that should be a relief for all of us. Here. Now God isn't asking us to, to come as perfect people. He's asking us to come with sincere hearts. Just sincere. Will you be sincere? And as you do that, 
You know, if you're pretending you're never going to draw near to God, you're always going to feel this distance. If you're trying to be something that you're not before God, if you can't come as you are, you'll never feel like you're drawing near to God. Here's the second one. He says, in full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. Now, this is a tough one. This is kind of a tough one because, at least for me, because, you know, when I come to God, often... I come to God and when I come to Him and feel like I need Him the most is when I'm struggling the most. And so I'm coming to God and I'm saying, you know what, God, I'm not trusting you. I'm living in doubt. I'm living in fear. And I'm coming with this sincere heart, but now you're telling me to come with full assurance of faith. It seems to be almost a contradiction. You know what, I think we, many people I've heard say they like Thomas, you know, who said, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. So let me ask you a question. When you're in a bad place and you come to God and, and you pray, why are you even coming to God to pray? Unless it is that you believe that, that, that God could help you, unless you're seeking God that He would help you, and so I think the question is not so much, what are you like when you come to God? I think the question is, when you come to God, where you are, and God speaks to you through His Spirit or through His Word, then what do you do with what He tells you? James, you know, wrote about that. Said, you know, if you come to God and, and God shows you His Word and then you go off and, and, and you're double-minded about it, don't let... He says, don't think you'll receive anything from the Lord. So it is with prayer. The Lord says, come as you are. But when you come, I'll speak to you. And, and the question then becomes, will we take God at His Word? If you're going to draw near to God, we have to be able to do that. Here's another verse. It says... Anyone who comes to God, this is from Hebrews, later on in the book, anyone who comes to God must believe that He is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That's faith. It's believing that God has something good for you. That God rewards those who diligently seek Him. Those who seek Him. So, in order to draw near to God, you... you you know, you have to have faith that He's listening, that He's good, that, that He has the power to respond, and, and then you need to seek Him. It's interesting. The Hebrew word seek there means to trample underfoot. Seek means to trample underfoot. And the imagery here is a path. You ever seen a path where people go all the time? And, and pretty soon it's beaten down, and pretty soon the grass is gone, and pretty soon it's just dirt. What it means to seek God is to keep going back to God time and time and time and time again until you've worn off all the grass down to the dirt and hopefully begin to develop ruts in the ground. To seek God is to go back time and time again. It's to not give up. It's to keep coming back. And why, you know, why would we do that? Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. This is really another paraphrase of what we read in chapter 10. 
let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so we may find mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you go to the Father's throne, you find mercy and you find grace. Those are some things well worth going for. But you have to have the faith that that's what you'll find when you go there. I mean, if God says this, if God says, cast all your cares upon me, let's say you go to that place and you're so anxious, and God says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. Now you're challenged with a decision. Now you're challenged with a decision. Are you going to accept that by faith? Are you going to believe that God does care about you, that He will take those burdens? Because if we don't believe that, we'll never, we'll never draw near to God. We can only draw near to God as we begin to believe and accept by faith what God says to be true. Lastly, he says that we come with cleansed and washed hearts and minds. We come with cleansed hearts and minds. You'll never draw near unless you accept what Jesus did for you on that cross. Because you know it, and I know it, I know it about myself, you know it about yourself, that you're not worthy to come into the presence of God. But it's through the blood of Christ that we're told here. That's what that curtain was all about. When God designed that curtain, way back in the Old Testament, He made it four inches thick for a reason. He made it four inches thick so that on that day when Jesus hung on that cross, when He cried, it is finished, there would be doubt, there would be no doubt in anyone's mind that no man tore that curtain. God made a curtain thick enough that only He could tear. In fact, it is said that two teams of horses could not even begin to tear apart that curtain that God tore when Christ died. And so Jesus cries, it is finished. And what Jesus was saying is all this separation that only the priest can go into the Holy of Holies, that is done. That's in the past. That's finished. And not only did that tearing of the curtain represent the fact that we could now go into God's presence, but the tearing of the curtain represented the fact that God was coming out. And so Jesus has a conversation with the, with the woman at the well, and she says, you know, where is it that, you know, some say you worship God here and the others there, and Jesus is saying the day is coming when it's not about God being in any specific place. It's those whom God will worship in spirit and truth. And God's dwelling will no longer dwell in the temple something even way more amazing is going to happen. And this is that amazing thing. This is an incredible truth. 2 Corinthians 6.6 6. Or 6.16 You find these words. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Look what it says. For we are the temple of the living God. 
you have become, your, your body has become the temple of this living God. Your body has become the place of the Holy of Holies. He's not just near you. He's not just in front of you. He's not just around you. He's not just beside you. He is in you through His own very Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And that could never happen. That could never happen without an absolute perfect cleansing of your sin because God could not exist in our sinfulness apart from a complete forgiveness through His cleansing and through His blood. So when you and I stay away from the place of prayer because we've had a bad week or we think we're not worthy or whatever, we are simply saying Jesus' sacrifice was not sufficient. And what God is telling us is, I don't care who you are, my son's sacrifice on that cross was sufficient for your sin. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, since we have a great high priest, let us draw near to God in sincerity, in faith, and in the knowledge of His cleansing. I'm going to conclude this morning. I'd like you to listen to just a, I'm just going to play a portion of this. Zirik Ludi's clip titled The Gospel. And it just reiterates this invitation that God is giving, giving to all of us. Watch as it's played this morning. <clears throat>
Father, this morning we <clears throat> just pause here at the end of this time to thank you for what is an amazing, almost uncomprehendable truth. Lord, your word tells us one day we will see you and we will understand what this was really all about. Lord, you have forgiven us. You have done even more. You've invited us to draw near to you. And Lord, whatever those barriers are this morning, might you take some of those down, Lord. Take all of them down. Whether it be a need to receive you into one's life, whether it be a lack of faith in what your word has told us to be true, uh, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, just by your spirit, uh, allow the words of Hebrews 10 to become a reality in each of our lives here today. We pray this in your name and by your power. Amen. <clears throat> 